everyone. Welcome back to Be More, where we aim to inspire you to be a little bit more of every role within the Salesforce ecosystem. For today's episode, I'm joined by Rob Cowell, and we are talking about what it takes to be more developer relations. So Rob, if you would be able to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Thanks very much. Yes, um, I am indeed Rob Kell. Um, I am currently a DevOps advocate over at Gearset, and I've been there for ooh, about 18 months to two years now, um, which has flown past, which is a, a good good space to be in. And the role that I have, DevOps advocate, does indeed fit in that umbrella term of developer relations, which we'll, uh, we'll dig into in a little moment. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks Thanks for joining us today. So DevOps is perhaps, I guess, a main part of your role. Um, and there are other parts of, to your role as well in terms of spreading the, the good word of Salesforce developers and perhaps trying to encourage more people to take up that role. So if you were to kind of explain to us, I guess, a day in the life of of your role in regards to developer relations, how would you describe that for us? So I think there's a, an age-old saying, which is content is king. And it certainly feels mm. like that in so much as, you know, a lot of my role, uh, the lion's share of my role is producing content. So whether that's blog posts, whether that's uh, slide decks for webinars or, or in-person events, um, or like, for example, today I wrote the, uh, the introduction to one of our weekly newsletters. Um, I did the first draft of a blog post. Um, soon I'll be doing a, a video series, uh, much like yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So it is all, you know, a lot of it is, is kind of behind the scenes producing that content. So a typical uh, day in the life is, is certainly sort of thinking about engaging content for uh, other DevOps professionals or people that need to, to bring DevOps on board. So the interesting thing is that, you know, obviously, a part of my role is going to events, speaking at events, engaging with the community. But actually, events is the the smaller part of what developer relations and, and my role particularly is about. But it's the pub, very the, much the public facing part of it. So people think that we just breeze from event to event, <laughs> all yeah. expenses paid. Um, you know, it is the curse of developer relations that you know people think that it's all about that, but. You know, in the in the time between those events or in preparation for those events, most of the time I'm sat here in my office, uh, sometimes with my green screen, um, but writing that content, you know, preparing those mm -hmm. slides, doing the research and building out demo orgs. Um, so that that's kind of the, the majority of, of the role there. Yeah. OK, awesome. And kind of touching on that in terms of, I guess, the research that goes into putting the content together, I can certainly relate to that. And. A little bit guilty myself of wanting to play with something and then suddenly it's a YouTube video and it's out there for the world to see. Is that a big part of it? Like in terms of learning is key because obviously things are changing and, uh, and evolving and there's lots of different kind of tentacles to, to DevOps in particular. Do you think that's an important part of your role is kind of rolling up your sleeves and understanding it so then you can talk about it? For, for my role in particular, uh, or, or my I guess my implementation of the role, um, mm. then yes, it is very much that keeping on top of the, the technical developments, making sure that you know what I'm talking about or writing about is topical, it's relevant, and it's useful. Okay, you know I can I can expound, and sometimes I do you know the the 
thought leadership pieces, um, yeah. which are you know more sort of aimed at the sort of higher end, you know, the decision makers, the influencers uh, within the business, um, to get them to start thinking about implementing DevOps in their companies. But the majority of my stuff draws on my technical background. I was a, a Salesforce developer and architect for 12, 13 years. So, you know, I lean into my strengths, which is a very mm -hmm. important thing to do in, in any Salesforce role. It's like play to your strengths, you know, challenge yourself, but know where your grounding is. And so yeah. because of my background is that sort of development technical aspect, you know, I, I very much lean he heavily into the, uh, the technical aspects. And of course, to do that, you've got to be on top of each release. You know, even though I've, I've kind of moved out to, of the, the hands-on implementation side of Salesforce, I do mm -hmm. keep my certificates up to date, for example. Yeah. You know, I do bash out uh, trailhead badges. You know, I try and sort of keep up with the, the pace of, of evolution there. Now, what I want to go back to just briefly on there is I talked about, you know, my implementation of this role, because there are many different ways to approach this. So here at Gearset, there's actually two uh, DevOps advocates, so myself and my colleague Jack. Now, mm -hmm. Jack doesn't have the background as a developer but he has a strong business and sales background. Uh, he was a, an account executive at the enterprise level before. Yeah. And so he, again, he plays to his strengths. He talks to, you know, the, uh, the C-suite. He talks to VPs. He talks to those sort of decision makers about things like, you know, the ROI of DevOps and the collaboration features and the, how to build the, the successful teams and, you know, how to optimize those processes. And very much, you know, talks about the other half of, of DevOps. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's very much sort of complementary uh, between the pair of us. But it does mean that, you know, as a role, despite the name developer relations, you don't always have to be a developer or have a background in that to make a success of this role. Yeah. OK, awesome. And I was going to touch on that. And so I'm glad you mentioned about the relationship part of it as well, because when you are engaging with different people at different levels, dependent on whether they're technical or, or not and their understanding and perhaps their maturity as well you need to kind of adjust the way that you're speaking to them to kind of get your message across so I'm glad we touched on that and I think that's important across so many roles as well uh, you know if you look at you know sort of project managers and and, and product owners you know sometimes they're talking to the business folks sometimes they're talking to the technical folks and you have to kind of be prepared to sort of meet people where they are and and, yep. and sort of you know talk in that sort of common terminology and language so that you can convey that you know business analysts are another great group that you know that have that as a high skill of being able to communicate at different levels and very sort of situational uh, conversations yeah totally okay so moving on a little bit but we we've touched on this already your role the the day to day of it you're interacting with with other people, what type of roles do you interact with on a daily basis? Okay, so my role um, falls under the marketing team, um, which mm. still surprises me, let alone other people, <laughs> because, you know, yeah. with a, such a, a strong technical background, I, I never expected to end up in marketing. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, I do work with folks like from product marketing, content marketing, um, you know, we have our editor for our launch pad, which is our uh, online learning platform, uh, mm -hmm. the social media team, you know, the whole spectrum of, of that marketing team. It all kind of interplays with the initiatives that we're trying to do. But then growing outside of that, you know, if, if I look sort of 
outside of the company. You know, my target audience, you know, the folks that I want to engage with are the developers and the architects and the admins that are out there. Uh, now, again, playing to my strengths, you know, I do tend to gravitate a little more towards the developers and architects um, mm -hmm. because I, I want to sort of deep dive into the, the nuts and bolts of things. I, yeah. I have done presentations for admins because I want them to realize that despite the name DevOps, it's actually for everybody. <laughs> it's not just for devs. Um, yeah. There's a lot to be gained by, by admins kind of getting on board with that way of working. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the wider Salesforce ecosystem, you know, I want to engage everywhere. Um, you know, I think those decision makers, um, if they're not already implemented or, or getting DevOps implemented in their teams, those are the folks that I want to be talking to about the benefits that they're going to see from that. Business yeah. analysts, you know, I want to talk to them to get that DevOps mindset, even at the requirements gathering level, like how can I break these tasks up into small, iterable, manageable chunks that means mm -hmm. that we can get that rapid feedback cycle on our changes and, and get greater throughput. And then obviously the developers are a you know, slightly easier value proposition <laughs> for them. You yeah. know, no developer wants to stay up till 2 a.m. fighting with a change set, right? You, know, you want to have the most efficient way of doing things. And I think generally architects get it. You know, by the time you've reached the experience level of an architect, it would be quite surprising if you hadn't at least heard of DevOps, let alone implemented it at that <laughs> point. So, yeah. You know, it is a, you know, a little bit more around the, you know, how can we refine, how can we tune um, our processes mm -hmm. that we may already have in place? Yeah, totally. And I guess kind of leaning into that a little bit as an architect, but how can we perhaps make these processes we have around DevOps a little bit more efficient? And how can our, the clients that I work with or whoever I'm working with, like how can they see more value from what we're doing? I think that's kind of the architect type mindset. Would you agree? No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's drawing upon the, the architect experience to make life better for the teams that they work mm. with. Um, you know, it's all about getting an optimal, uh, sorry, optimal, scalable, reliable process. You know, we look at the... Uh, the fantastic work of Salesforce's own developer relations team and architect relations team with their well-architected framework. And those are the pillars that they constantly try and encourage people to adhere to. And DevOps is, is no different, right? Those pillars are equally applicable in DevOps as they are in sort of overall system architecture. Um, but I, you know, the, coming back to what I was saying about um, sort of the developer relations rather than sort of something specifically DevOps, you know, the role itself is very much an educational role. Okay. It just mm -hmm. so happens that the thing that I'm educating folks on is Salesforce DevOps. But if you look again at the, the wider industry, and I, I mentioned Salesforce's uh, evangelist team. So we have the admin evangelist, the developer evangelist, and the architect evangelist. They've really gone in on this thing. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is absolutely that. It's it's a combination of engagement and education. Um, so, you know, if anyone wanted to sort of move towards this type of role, it doesn't have to be DevOps. It can be, you know, anything around that education and engagement piece uh, between developers and admins and architects and the messaging that your employer wants to get out there. Yeah, totally get that. And in terms of this role, I guess day-to-day -day you're involved in a number of different internal initiatives as well. 
but your your full-time position and full-time motivation is is working in the developer relations arena right it isn't something that you kind of dip in and out of amongst other responsibilities like for example you might have a consultant that's also playing the role of an admin um it, in your role you're you're doing this and working towards those goals um throughout your your working day right yeah no absolutely so you know when i first started this role um well just prior to starting this role um i was a freelance consultant i was doing sort of you know uh, client engagements development architect bit of both you know just building mm. systems from requirements and so when i came into this role i still had um the tail end of a a part time contract so at that point i was doing like 3 days a week like hands on development i was actually doing a, a uh, quite a large org migration uh, an org merge for someone but you know it was like a one company had acquired another company and they both had salesforce and you know yeah. i'm sure i'm sure many many folks uh, listening along to this episode will uh, will be familiar with that one um but then two days a week i was you know doing this advocacy role and onboarding with uh, with my employer and so it was quite a nice way to do it sort of easing myself into the role Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of went full time August 22. So. Okay. Um, so, yes, I am now uh, fully dedicated to this as my day job. Um, mm-hmm. I, I stress the day job thing because I, I do have uh, a little side hustle, uh, still in the similar sort of space, actually. So, I am uh, currently writing a, a Salesforce DevOps book as well. Okay. Um, independent of the day job, I'm not allowed to work on it in working hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, and it isn't, you know, it isn't just a, a marketing vehicle for my employer's product. You know, we look at the whole space. Um, you know, we look at free tools and not free tools um, and principles and, and mindsets and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, I am very immersed in this space pretty much all day and all night. <laughs> <laughs> you you embody that that kind of role, right? I guess that's another way of saying it. And I can certainly relate to having side hustles as well as somebody that has a view within the yes, company sure. too. So yeah, that's that's great to hear. So if we were thinking now about somebody that was looking to get into this kind of developer advocacy relations DevOps type space, what tips or advice would you give to those that are looking to get started? Like, do they have to have a certain background? What what do you think works best? Well, this is this is the question that I've been absolutely looking forward to because <laughs> it, it has been a journey for me as well. So I think you know I'll I'll talk about some of my my personal journey on that, um, <laughs> and I think hopefully that will that will kind of sort of go some ways to answering that. So I came into the Salesforce ecosystem way back in 2010, and, and I know there's folks that are probably thinking, oh, latecomer, I was in there since <laughs> 2000. Um, but 2010 was my, my point of entry. Um, and I, I went to a few of the uh, London Salesforce developer groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back in those days, they were run by Salesforce. So Salesforce would have a, a representative there that kind of managed the group, which was a developer evangelist. Uh, great chap by the name of John Stevenson back in the day. And I said to John, what is this developer evangelist thing? It sounds bizarre. <laughs> but it also sounds like a lot of fun. And so he kind of broke it down for me and sort of what it involved. And at that point, I kind of knew that that was what I wanted to do. Um, 
but it was a difficult thing to to move into. It's like, well, where do you even start with that? You know, and again, a lot of people in the Salesforce ecosystem, regardless of their role, they see getting employed by Salesforce as the end state. Mm. And of course, I I fell into that trap a little bit. Um, I many years later, I did uh, I did interview with Salesforce for a developer evangelist role, which I didn't get. Um, but actually, that you know, much like when you attempt a, a Salesforce certification and you don't get it the first time out, the failure is the biggest learning. Okay. Yeah. Now, I was extremely fortunate that uh, the person interviewing me, who is a, a good friend and um, you know well well known in the ecosystem, I said to him, "I appreciate that I didn't get this role. Can you give me some feedback on what I need to go and weigh and work on?" Because I'm determined to be a developer evangelist or, or equivalent. Yeah. Um, I just need to know where I fell down so that I can go away and work on that. Okay. And I got that feedback. So coming back around to sort of where this fits into how do you get into that? Okay. There are a few key aspects. Okay. Despite it being developer relations, you don't have to be a developer, as evidenced by my colleague Jack, who hasn't come from a developer background, but can talk to people, can engage with people, can network like a champion, yeah. can speak the language of business and the language of finance very well. So there's there's that direction. Now, I came from the traditional developer route. And I think if you're going to do that, you know, regardless of which of those two directions that you take, you really need to know your, your subject matter well. You need to speak with authenticity and experience. Okay, so that's that's a top tip. Secondly, we mentioned this right at the start of our conversation. Content is king. Okay? Mm-hmm. Really refine and polish your writing skills, your speaking skills, your presenting skills across the board. Um, you know, and the best way of learning is doing. Okay, mm-hmm. so I uh, was extremely fortunate that I was uh, subcontracting for a technical writing agency. So basically, what would happen is large technical organisations would go to this agency and. Can you find us an expert on topic X, Y, Z that can write a blog post, a syndication out to various publications? You know, and it was like ghost writing these things. Yeah. And that's where I kind of learned to sort of work with producing a draft, getting it edited, folding in those changes, you know, getting the right um, what we call in the industry the tone of voice for the, yeah. that written content and really kind of refining those skills equally for the spoken part. Community, community, community. Uh-huh. Right. So user groups and Salesforce community events, such as London's Calling, French Touch Dreaming, a whole bunch uh-huh. of the US events like Midwest and all the others, they're always open for community speakers. Okay. The London Developers Group, for example, um, are crying out for speakers. If they don't get enough, then Keir Bowden talks again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and he will keep going unless somebody yeah. else talks. He's got a, a lot running to talk joke about. with that group. Yeah. Um, but on a serious side, you know, it's the, the perfect way to, to practice your public speaking to an audience that cares about Salesforce topics. You know, you don't have to go out, you know, and, and hit the, the main stage at Dreamforce on day one. You can work with smaller local groups. And it doesn't even have to be the London one. I mean, obviously, I, I appreciate not everyone's based there. It is one mm. of the biggest ones. But if you've got a small group of maybe, you know, six to ten people you know, at your local user group you know, that's great you know you're you're under mm-hmm. much less pressure 
um, and it allows you to kind of polish and refine and practice and feel confident with that public speaking. So I think those two elements are probably the biggest part. You know, it's the content and the confidence are the two parts and, and yeah. knowing your, your subject matter and just believing in it, you know, and, and being happy to share that experience with people. Yeah, I think that's good. So kind of moving on, I mean, we've touched on it already, but if you were to think about your own journey and perhaps if you were to redo it, is there anything that you would change and do differently? And I, I appreciate that mistakes and failures are important, right? And we yeah. need to embrace those and learn from those. But is there anything in particular that you would change or, or do differently if you were to start out again? Uh, so we, we talked earlier about how I discovered the existence of this role in mm. 2010. I actually started this doing this role in 2020, 12 years it took me. So <laughs> if there's one thing I will change is I wish I'd have started this earlier. I do absolutely genuinely love my job uh, mm -hmm. as, a, as a career path. Um, I, you know, I needed to be a developer and at one point a product manager and various other things to get to where I am today. But I, yeah. I, I definitely wish I could have contracted that journey um, and started this a lot earlier because, you know, I, I so enjoy the, the job. Um, you know, I love writing the content. I love meeting the community where they are at their events. Um, you know, folks listening along will, will probably pick up on this already, but I love talking about what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and it's... Don't get me wrong, you know, developer was a role that I did for a long time, even pre-Salesforce, um, you know, I did that for probably about the same amount of time again. So I've been a, a developer since I was 23. Um, and for those not following along, I'm now 50. So that's quite a, quite a while I've been a developer. Um, so, you know, I feel like I've, I've reached the point where actually I want to do something different now. Um, and I, I, as I said, I enjoy it so much. I just wish I'd, I'd done it earlier. So I think that's probably the thing that I'd have changed. I think I think I should have made that leap of faith and put that effort into honing my craft a little earlier. Um, but yeah. absolutely no regrets now that I'm here. Okay, awesome. That's that's great to know. And for kind of flipping the question a little bit back to what we were talking about earlier, but to anybody that that's perhaps looking to to start out what skills and attributes do you think it takes to do a role similar to yours i yeah i mean there's skills and attributes are two very different things and mm. you know i you know i know amongst the developer relations community at large not just sort of within the salesforce ecosystem there are introverts and there are extroverts you know so yeah you know while we talk about the the confidence to do the public speaking and the attending the events and what have you um you know it seems very much a extrovert attribute but actually there's a lot of folks that will go up they'll do that and then they'll come back in again um and that's absolutely fine you know it, it's there is a perception that all of us out there are are extroverts um but it's it's absolutely not the case you know it's it's the usual mixture you'd get in any career path um mm -hmm. so please you know don't feel put off by the fact that it is a an outward facing role because again when we talked earlier um you know it's 20 percent 
out there public facing yeah. attending events, 80% behind the scenes preparing for that, writing content, producing articles and stuff, which is, you know, in in the nice confines of your of your safe working space, <laughs> you know, where yeah. where you feel, you know, most comfortable. You know, I I spend so much time in, in this chair behind me, just sitting here at the keyboard. Um, it, it is nice to get out sometimes. Yeah. Um, in terms of the skills thing, you know, again, we touched upon that. It doesn't have to be, you know, despite being developer relations, you don't have to be a developer, um, but you need to be able to come from an angle, right? Whether that's the yeah. business side, the, you know, the engagement side, the community side, whatever, with a degree of authenticity. So I would say it's probably not, a career path that is necessarily entry level in so much as you need to gather a little experience out in the field uh, as it were before kind of tackling this because effectively you want to be engaging with your peers right you you're going to be talking to people that are doing the job that you're supporting them on and so to do that and to be able to have those conversations and be able to relate correctly you do need to kind of have a background in either something technical in in the correct space or you need to understand uh, the business aspects so for example in my world um you know what can devops do for my business how transformational is it you know how how much time is it going to save my developers how much money is it going to save us because our developers time yeah. is saved and you know these this uh, yeah. this stone keeps on rolling um <laughs> so you know, it doesn't matter which of those those kind of approaches you take, but you you need to be able to be very authentic with that. I would say. Yeah, and I guess have the experience to have a viewpoint on some of these things as well. I guess it kind of boils down to that, right? No, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and be prepared to be wrong. You know, in in any trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I recently did uh, a presentation um, at French Touch Dreaming um, around. Why rolling your own DevOps stack is uh, not efficient, or something to that effect. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I very clearly stated that that this is a viewpoint, this is an opinion. I would love yep. to hear counter opinions when we hit the Q and A session. You know, so sometimes it's quite fun to kind of you know play with the audience and challenge those conceptions a little bit. Um, but be humble, be graceful. Um, you know. In, in any trade, I would say, but particularly something that's outward facing, you know, a lot of these developer relations roles, there is a perception that you are the uh, the public facing, I wouldn't say PR spokesperson, but, you know, you are very much, you know, the, the public face of a brand to those developers and architects and admins a lot of the time. Um, mm -hmm. So be on your toes, be polite, be respectful, uh, be on brand, but don't be to sales and marketing um yeah. you know there's a reason those functions exist separately um you know in a lot of my presentations you know i will introduce myself and where i work and then that's the last time i mentioned my employer or or the product mm -hmm. because yeah. it's all about engagement not about pushing a, a product onto people yeah okay i think that's really good solid advice there and kind of on that note and kind of maybe hinted at this already but is there anything that you'd like to change or make people more aware of about a developer advocate type role? Like, is there a, a myth or something? But perhaps like the event thing is is one that we've touched on already. Yeah. Is there anything else like that that you would like to kind of clarify for, for the audience? 
Yeah, I mean, like you say, we, we, we have touched on the, on the fact that it isn't all events and after parties all the time. That does happen, and it's Sometimes. very nice when it does. Um, but yeah, it's not the mainstay of, of the role. Um, the other, I think, main thing um, to kind of remember about the role is that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of one of these strange roles that doesn't always have an off button. So when you're out and about, you're at a community event, um, you know, even if you're there under your own volition and stuff, you're still kind of representing your company. Uh, there will be, you know, the social media aspect. People are messaging you, um, asking you questions as, because you've positioned yourself as that subject matter expert. You know, so you, you kind of have to be prepared for that slight tweak to the work life balance. But in reality, most of the developer relations folks I know do it because they're deeply, deeply passionate about talking to their folks and getting that message out and making sure that, you know, everyone gets a better experience of whatever it is they're doing in their job. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So we need to wrap up the session now from a time point of view, unfortunately. But before we do go, is there a way for people to connect with you and your content? Um, and are there any particular resources that you would like to kind of share for our audience to learn a little bit more? Yeah, so I mean, I've got I've got ways of contacting and resources <laughs> for days, but uh, let's let's yeah. talk about some of the uh, the key ones. So, um, for those of you that are sticking with the platform, I am on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. My my handle is Rob Salesforce. Um, same as on Threads, although I. I struggle to remember to, to go and use threads but you will find <laughs> yeah. me on there uh linkedin rob cowell um, i'm fairly easy to find um, in terms of content um we have uh, our company blog so gearset.com slash blog um, a lot of our educational content is on our sister site devops launchpad slash blog mm. um, and some of the, the course material on there i've also written um, and yeah, there's a few other bits and pieces kicking around um, you know, on our YouTube channel. There's some of my uh, webinars. Um, but yeah, far and away, the best way to find me is just type Rob Cowell Salesforce into Google or, <laughs> or your search engine of choice. Other providers yeah. are available. And um, yeah, you'll generally kind of surface a lot of the things that I've done. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks again for your time today. And hopefully together when this goes out, we will encourage people to be a little bit more of, of this role, de developer advocate. So thanks again. Thank you very much. And thanks for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in to Be More with Tom Bassett. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave any feedback in the comments.